I am going to bring a message this morning from the book of Revelation that I've called Baby Jesus, Son of Man. This is probably one of the most impacting messages I've prepared on the book of Revelation. When I say that, I'm speaking personally how I've been impacted by this message. And as, you, as I come to the close of it, you'll see why. Um, in the experience of the writer of the book of Revelation, how he was impacted personally. And as I read this, I, I was, uh, it, just really, it just really has had a, quite an effect on me. And I trust that you will be open to the Holy Spirit bringing the message of the Son of Man to you today. Well, uh, anyone, as Joanna said, that's interested in water baptism, we can only do one a day because the coronavirus can actually get into the water. So we have to drain the tank, put new water in, and uh, just as a part of the protection process of, of the, uh, otherwise we could have, uh, there is another baptism, by the way, next Sunday. And so uh, we'll just keep baptizing until everybody's baptized. Anyway, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now this is what we call the Immaculate Conception. Uh, Mary was found pregnant not by man because... In the human family, there was the taint of sin that goes back all the way to Adam. But, of course, the Holy Spirit, there is absolutely no taint of sin that was, could be passed on to the mother. And so the, uh, the Holy Spirit deposited the seed that gave conception and eventually the birth of Jesus. And Joseph didn't know what to do. So rather than, um, because this happened before they were married. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's to Joseph, in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here is the human side of Jesus, born of a virgin. He would be fully man. He would understand all of the things that any human being would understand and experience, hunger and thirst and, and suffering and pain, and of course, finally, the cross. But the purpose for him coming was to save us from our sins. It had to be a man who died for humankind. And there was, it had to be a perfect man, and that was Jesus. Now, right as you continue in this passage in the 22nd verse, so all this was done, that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus was not just a man. He was fully man, but he was fully God. He is Emmanuel with us. 
And this is the mystery, the wonder, the beauty of Christmas, the, of Christianity, of what it means to have eternal life. And all of the things that God brings us cons are consummated in this person of Jesus. You will not find anything of worth outside of him. Well, how do we see Christmas and the birth of Jesus at this time of year? How do we, how do we see it? Um, nostalgically, a babe in a manger, all the tinsel and the Christmas trees and the candles and the gifts and all the songs, the carols. And we look back uh, with memories of our childhood and think, wow, there were so, so many things that we cherish and value. And uh, we think of family, and it's all, we become very nostalgic about Christmas. Or do we see it from the divine point of view? This is God. It's not so much about us at all. Although we receive the gift of salvation, it, it, this is more about God with us, the divine present in this world, God with us. And sometimes people think, well, that is kind of makes me feel bad because I'm ashamed of myself. If God is truly with us, how can I really face him? And so we have fear of God and we pay lip service, but it's not a joyful experience. Well, uh, how do you see him this morning? How do we see him? How did the gospel writers and the apostles see him as they wrote about him in the New Testament. Well, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, he said, but what things were gained to me, and he had a lot of advantages, this man. These I have counted loss for Christ, for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So here is this, the excellency of Christ, this, this person, this God-man, this man who was fully man yet fully God. And he said, I, I, there's nothing that compares. Everything I count but loss that I might just have more of the knowledge of him, that I make the excellency the excellency of Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he's talking about his status in the church, and he says, this is Paul again, to me whom, who am least of, the, of all the saints. Now, whenever he talks about saints, he's not talking about saints as we often, people often think of them, like St. Paul, St. Peter, and we, we venerate uh, these people that we uh, say have, have arrived at sainthood or proclaimed by the church to have arrived at sainthood. But no, the Bible says that every believer becomes a saint. The minute that you accept Jesus as your Savior, according to the Scriptures, you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. And so he says, I'm the least of all the saints. So in the whole church, I'm not the big shot apostle. I, I don't see myself that way. I see myself as the least. And no doubt, because he had killed so many Christians, he had been a persecutor of the church before he met Jesus. No doubt that's the, way, the reason he felt that way. But then this grace was given, grace, that I should preach 
among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he received grace, and that's very much a part of the Christmas message. And he said, I took that grace that God gave me, and he put me in the midst of people who had no inheritance when it came to the Old Testament and all the promises and provisions that God has for, had for Israel. He said, no, but now in Christ, the gospel is for everybody, and I'm able to come to those who were never known as a people as far as the economy was God, of God was concerned, and I am able to preach to them the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, unsearchable. It's just, he didn't know how else to say it. There is no point where you graduate from the last course in the university and you know all the knowledge that there are, that there is in the books that you've studied or you've studied this discipline or that discipline, this science or this philosophy or whatever. And you search and you search and you keep searching. And, and it's like finally you, you can come to a point where you say you're a doctorate of the, you have a doctorate of this or that or the other thing. And you become a person that people look to as the source of knowledge and wisdom because you have it all. But Paul said, no, it, when it comes to Jesus, that you never graduate. You just, you don't even think about that. You just, it's just like you've come into, uh, oh, uh, a mountain full of diamonds, rivers full of gold. Describe it in any way that you, that you would. But he's unsearchable. There's just no exhausting his knowledge or his presence or his love, his grace. <laughs> wow, that's really the message of Christ. It's the message of Christmas. It's the message that God wants us to know today. In John, um, Jesus said this, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> well, in other words, these disciples had been following Jesus, and they had experienced so much, the teaching, the miracles. They, every day they got up, they had no idea what was going to happen that day. Every day was an adventure. It was just like uh, they were overwhelmed with every day's experience with Jesus. And so Jesus said, you're not in a place just given the number of things that happen in any day, but, but also in your knowledge and your understanding. You just can't. There's so much more for me to tell you that I, I, I have to wait. I can't just disclose it to you now. It just, it's, just, it's just going to take time for that to happen. And then he says, but when he, capital letters, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. You know, you might have heard me preach, or Joanna preach, or a hundred other, or a thousand other preachers preach about Jesus and talk about him. And and uh, friends, Christians, television programs, you've read the Bible yourself, you've heard all of these things, but there's a difference between having an understanding mentally like these disciples did as they were with him and having a revelation of Jesus in your spirit brought to you by the Holy Spirit, brought to you by the divine sovereign spirit 
who's been sent to the earth, who's been sent to the church by the Father to glorify Jesus, to exalt him in your life, to cause you and me, not just at Christmas, but at all times, to experience him. Wow. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, we read this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. So here is the introduction to the book of Revelation. And it's a revelation, it's a revealing of Jesus. It's it's showing him in the context of history of things that will come. And we see him in the context of history, past, present, and future. He's the Lord of history, and and he is revealed to us. He is shown to us, just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would reveal me to you. And so that's what the book is about. It's about the revelation of Jesus. Now, there's 403 uh, books, 403 verses in the book of Revelation. And 12 of those verses are about persecution and suffering. Just 12, about 3%. The rest of it is about Jesus. It's about how he relates to us personally, the gifts that he brings us, the rewards that he brings to the church, all of the empowerment to overcome that is found through him. And as we look through the record of the book of Revelation, we see the future unfolding in such a way. That it's about him. It's all about him and about his church, about his people, and the conquering future that we have in him, conquering in every respect of the world, of the word. Um, Jesus is revealed only once in the book of Revelation as the Son of Man. But in the book, the books, the four Gospels, he's called the Son of Man 85 times. Once in the book of Revelation, once in the Old Testament. But when Jesus was here, he kept referring to himself as the Son of Man because he wanted people to see his humanity. He wanted them to understand that he was fully human. And so he constantly referred to himself as the Son of Man. But in doing so, he made religious leaders very angry, which we'll we'll come to understand in just a few minutes. But as the Son of Man, 85 times. And each one of those times expresses a beauty about him and about why he came, about why he was born. The Son of Mary, the Son of Joseph. He is the Son of Man. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. The Son of Man has no place to rest his head. The amazing thing is that the Bible tells us that all things were created by him, and, and, and by him all things consist, or they are held together. He is the Creator with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and yet he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a home. 
in this place that he created. It shows the depths of his humility, of his coming to the, of him emptying himself in order to be that to us, the Son of Man. Matthew 9, verse 6, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, take up your mat and go home. Take up your mat and walk. Take up your bed, some of the scriptures say. So, so here is this paralyzed man brought to Jesus. Everybody saw and knew about the power that he had to heal. But instead of healing and meeting their expectation right away, the thing he said, in the midst of all of the house and the people that were there, including Pharisees, son, your sins are forgiven you. The son of man forgives you of your sins. Well, thank you, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm paralyzed, and I want to be healed. And sometimes we come to Jesus that way, and he responds to us, listen, the most important thing for you is not your physical healing or the meeting of your physical needs, but it's your relationship with me. And sin is the separator. Sin is that which separates you from me and from the eternal Father and Holy Spirit. But I'm here to give you forgiveness, to release you from all that separates you from me. And uh, But just so that everybody knows and so that you know that I have the authority to do that, get up. And he did. And he walked. And he was able to carry his mat home. <laughs> Woo! He is the one with authority to meet all your needs. And they are met according to his riches, those unsearchable riches that Paul talked about. Matthew eleven nineteen. the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, is what they say. You see, the crowd actually caught on to the words of Jesus as he referred to himself again and again as the Son of Man. Even the crowd started to call him the Son of Man. And they said, look, look who he hangs around with. Not the peace people in the palaces or pe people in the high authority of the Roman Empire. No, he hangs around with tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, bezzlers. Murderers, <laughs> drunkards. That's who he hangs around with. And then it speaks, there's this little thing that's had, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. What deeds? The transformative deeds of Jesus, whenever he is revealed as the Son of Man who came to take away the sins of the world, the transformative power of Jesus. Wisdom is seen in lives that are changed, that are transformed by him. Matthew 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, to pay the price to, to take all of the injustices and infractions against the law of God 
And that which estranged us from him to take every one of them and pay the price for redemption. That's what ransom means. It's to pay the price to redeem us from the enslavement of sin and the devil and set us free. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay, so Son of Man, drunkards, tax collectors, sinners, the lowest of the low, but the highest of the high. He embraces it all, and he brings the two together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the story of Christmas. Matthew 28 to 26, verse 2, and it's the time of his death. As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. It all culminated in the cross. It all culminated at that time when he did pay the ransom, when he did give his life for his friends, when he did pay the cost to redeem what everybody else thought was the unredeemable, the cross. Well, the Son of Man, 85 times, 85 times in those four gospel books. Once in the Old Testament, just once. And I'll read that for you now. It's Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and verse 14. I was watching, Daniel says, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. <laughs> Remember? When Jesus in the book of Acts said the Son of Man will come in the same way as you have seen him go. Coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient of days. So this one who is portrayed this way, he comes to the ancient of days, a picture of the eternal God, a title of God the Father. And they brought him near before him. Now, what business does a mere mortal have in coming into the very throne room of God? His very immediate presence. The Bible says no man can see God and live, and yet this man did. He came right into the very throne room of the ancient of days. What would, what would happen? What would be said? What would this eternal God say to this mortal? Well, it says, To him was given dominion and glory and a people, or and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. 
Now, I don't have this on the, the projection, so I, you, you can't turn there. Uh, but I'm just going to read the next few verses. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body. So this is what he's reacting. He's responding to what he's seeing. And the visions of the hand of the head troubled me. And I came near to the one to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. Now, Daniel is trying to figure this all out. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts which are four and four kings which arise out of the, of the earth. But the saints of the Most High God shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and forever and ever. So here Daniel is being brought into this picture of of this man who comes into uh, the very throne room of God and he's giving a a dominion. And and Daniel said, "What, what does this mean? What does this mean? And he gets the interpretation. Uh, And you and I are part of it. You and I are part of it. Forever and forever. Well, Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. John has listened to the voice that was speaking to him. And he really wasn't sure who it was. Uh, I turned to see the voice that spoke, spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. He saw the church. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. The only time it's found in the book of Revelation, that phrase. And he was clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. Now, if you go back to Daniel chapter 7, you'll see that's a, a, an exact description of the Ancient of Days, the eternal God. So here's this voice speaking to him, and, it's, and he turns and he looks, and he sees that which is an imagine, unimaginable to him, as it was to Daniel when he saw the vision. And he had in his hand his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. It's interesting that in the book of John, John, on three different occasions, in referring to himself and his relationship with Jesus, said, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. Jesus really loves me. I'm his friend. He holds me in high esteem. He, I, I kind of have a place that's above all of the rest of the disciples. 
And he celebrated that in his writing. And, and, and you say, well, was he wrong in writing that? No, that's how he experienced Jesus. He, he saw him as, as being privileged uh, uh, to, to know him in this manner, to be referred to as the beloved of the Lord. And now he's in the book of Revelation. And so all those things that Jesus said to the disciples when he said, I have many more things to show you, but you're not able to hear them right now. Well, here in Revelation, he's hearing them. And when he's hearing them, he doesn't say, oh, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm the privileged one. No, he falls on his face as the dead man. Overwhelmed by the revelation of this Son of Man, exalted and invited into the very throne room of the Father, and there giving the right to the kingdoms of the heavens and the earth. The Son of Man, born in a manger in Bethlehem, but exalted with riches that are unsearchable and knowledge that is unsurpassable that we can't possibly comprehend in our finite minds. That this Christmas season, he summons us by his Spirit, not necessarily to fall on our faces as dead men, but no, to rise in the realization of who he is. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's my Savior. He's my friend. He's the one who is loved. It's all true, not just for John, but for you. Oh, may we see Jesus. May we explore his unsearchable riches. The knowledge that passes understanding, may it just continue to flow in us. And you know, as it does, just like in the book of Revelation, so little really was given to the trouble and the persecution that the people were going through, even though that was their reality. Much worse than what we're going through with the pandemic. And yet the book of Revelation says, get your eyes it doesn't, doesn't mean to live in denial or pretend it's not happening. No. But the solution, the source, the future, everything that is of any worth is in Jesus. Is in Jesus. Stand and give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. We worship you, almighty God. Lift your, your hands and just express words of gratitude and thanks to him. Go ahead. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Whew. Wow. Thank you, Lord. The bell choir is going to be coming up in just a moment, and they're going to be uh, leading, leading us in a, a, a beautiful, this was supposed to be on Christmas Eve, but it couldn't happen because we had to cut down the size of the crowd. Um, let me tell you the one thing that Marty and I are not 
looking forward to is the anointing of the innkeeper on Friday, Thursday night and saying, sorry, there's no room in the inn. That's going to be her part. I'll be outside and I'll be the cons consoler. I will <laughs> say, I'm, I'm, I'm outside too. I can't get in. And we'll only come in if there's, if there's space. We'll, otherwise, we'll just stay out there. But um, right now, we're here, and we're enjoying this service. And uh, next week, next Sunday, we'll have to divide, as Joanna said, into two services. But uh, just as the children are coming up, we want to pray for Jenny McCumber. She's here this morning. She is going in for open-heart surgery on Tuesday. Kevin Baird is here this morning. He's going in for surgery on, on Tuesday as well. Risa fell this morning. She's in emergency, uh, and she hurt her back. And so we want to pray for her. And uh, so... Um, so many other needs that we can think of, uh, but these are very pressing needs, and and so uh, um, let's all pray. Lord, right now we pray for Jenny. We pray, oh God, for healing for her as she goes through this surgery on Tuesday. For Kevin Baird, Lord, I just pray right now that even where he is standing in this service, that your healing touch will be upon him, that this pain that he has suffered for so long will disappear. We thank you, Lord, for Risa, this woman of God who is faithful and has been suffering from pain in her back and now is in the emergency room. We pray your divine sovereign touch upon her. In the name of Jesus, we pray, O oh God, for those who are on the front lines of helping and serving in this pandemic, for hospital workers, for nursing home workers, for people who are on the front lines of service and care and who are sacrificing their lives, willing to lay them down for the care of others. Lord, we thank you for them. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for those who are going to be alone for Christmas or not able to connect with family, uh, this Christmas is going to be just so different. May your comfort and peace and strength, may the purpose of this season, the revelation of Jesus, oh, just flow into their lives, into their families, into their homes. In Jesus' name, amen.